We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, no reporter on the national scene has been more plugged in than Josina Anderson has been when it comes to all things Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, Sarah. Which is one of the many reasons we were thrilled to welcome her on the vault over the weekend for a wide-ranging exclusive interview ahead of the NFL's new league year and annual free agency frenzy. I'm Bobby Trossett alongside my co-host Sarah Ellison. It's Monday, March 13th, and this is your morning Ravens update from Inside the Vault. Well, the Ravens front office has been restructuring deals and they're doing it in ways that the team typically tries to avoid. Whose contracts have been altered and what are they being altered for? Plus, in that same conversation that we referenced at the top with Josina Anderson, she gave us the latest on free agent wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. and also shed some light on Baltimore's chances of being one of OBJ's potential landing spots. We have all of that and more coming up. Thank you for waking up with the Morning Vault, where you get the most important Ravens news in about 15 minutes. All right, Bobby, we covered a ton of ground with NFL Insider and CBS Sports' Josina Anderson over the weekend, and she shed some light on the recent news surrounding Lamar Jackson that we think is worth breaking down. Yeah, so let's begin with a topic that we covered right off the top with Josina, and, and that's the fact that she reported before the franchise tag deadline that teams had used their channels to initially inquire about what Lamar has been offered to date from the Ravens. So based on that, we asked her if she has a sense about whether the multiple reports out there are true that no teams will attempt to draw up an offer sheet for Lamar to ultimately sign with them. There have been uh, teams that have uh, reached out, some that are not currently mentioned in the mix of teams that everyone was kind of jumping on uh, with respect to the immediate responses right after Lamar got uh, tagged with the non-exclusive tag. And then some of them were a part of that, even the ones that are denying (laughs) uh, (laughs) that they were a part of that. And not from a standpoint that it is a guarantee that they were going to be doing anything, but more so just to be gathering information. Like, so one of the teams that I was talking about that is not among the, the, the teams 
teams that were, you know, uh, reporters were gathering information from uh, that sp specific time. Um, really, what I heard they were trying to check in was just, you know, the price of what he was asking for, you know, to keep tabs. But just to add to that tweet, and I haven't even, uh, you know, had a chance to follow up on that tweet, Sarah, as I kind of reached back out to that team uh, and spoke to another person in the building um, just to kind of get a sense of, you know, what they were thinking on uh, Lamar and um, and just to kind of compare it to some of this other stuff that's there in the Twitter sphere. The statement was kind of like, you know, it's not so simple. You know, there's a lot of things to consider when integrating a quarterback like Lamar. Again, this is not, you know, what I'm saying. I'm telling you what I was, you know, told during this conversation. And so I was asking, like, you know, what do you mean? Well, there's a lot of pieces, you know, things that you got to do and all these other things. And you have to, and then the money, you got to consider the money. So in the middle of that conversation, I said to this particular person, I said, well, you know me, I like to keep it simple. Let's keep it simple. And so then I said, is Lamar Jackson better than the quarterback that you have? Yes. Okay. And I said, and then how many how many games do you feel like you needed in order to have made the postseason? So that's a little bit of a clue there. And then, you know, they said, you know, two or three. So I, I said to them, so is Lamar a two or three game difference? Yes. And so I'm like, so why is this any more complicated? We know that the quarterback, uh, at least when you're talking about the top five in APY, and that's going to change here when Jalen Deal gets done. Uh, Burrow and what have you, but just going from Patrick Mahomes at 45, Deshaun at 46, Kyler Moore at 46.1, uh, Russell at 48, uh, Pat, uh, excuse me, Aaron Rodgers at 50. You're spending, you, you know, that you're spending a minimum of 45 for a Lamar. And look at what the, the Saints just did with Derek Carr, who notoriously never have any space making space for Derek Carr. So let's not make it about the money as complicated or what have you. I was a little taken aback by some of the hurdles I was hearing as opposed to, to me, what should be more automatic, automatic thinking of incorporation. All right. So first off, teams have checked in. So it seems they are doing some of that due diligence. That doesn't mean an offer will be made, but the idea that teams weren't even interested in even just figuring some stuff out, well, that's inaccurate. And then there was that interesting nugget from Josina at the end there. I kind of wonder if the team she was talking about was the Detroit Lions based on the clue she gave, but that is just a guess. I have no idea. Whoever it was, she made it sound like that team was kind of implying that it feels like it would almost have to restructure the entire offense for a quarterback like Lamar. Well, there are some significant differences between eight and Jared Goff, but uh, she wasn't done there either. Listen to this. <laughs> You're setting, why, why put yourself in the corner so that if the season doesn't materialize the way that you want, you know what everybody's going to say? Oh, well, I guess you should have had some time for Lamar. You know, so why <laughs> even do that? Like, like, you know, and it's not as if, it's not as if, it's just like what someone was saying to me when we were talking about, it might've been Bakari, uh, Bakari, um, well, I just had on my show from CNN. He was saying, like, it's, it's not as if you're the 49ers. It's not as if you were the Chiefs or what have you making that comment and you have, like, this long jetway of, you know, leash to, you know, to be whatever. You're saying this as a team still trying to get over its skis. So, to me, from a PR standpoint, it just it just doesn't make self. You're just, you know, adding more smoke around yourself. So, Sarah, I'm guessing she's referring to some teams like Atlanta, Carolina, at least prior to their draft shuffling from over the weekend. Las Vegas, Washington, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like 
teams that are in desperate need of quarterbacks yet ruled themselves out of the Lamar sweepstakes almost immediately. It was mind-boggling then, and maybe it's even more mind-boggling now, but as former NFL agent Joe Corey noted on Twitter recently, in his estimation, one significant factor in the hesitancy from some of these teams is quite simply understanding that their process of putting together and ultimately potentially signing Lamar to an offer sheet would then just be matched by Steve Bashotti and the Ravens and in turn potentially solve a more than two-year disagreement ultimately keeping Lamar in Baltimore. And I mean, that's not the only factor out there as we've covered in recent episodes, but certainly a big one indeed. And so Bobby, let's go from that. Let's get into what Joe Cena had to say about the potential scenario of Lamar having to play 2023, the entire season on the franchise tag in Baltimore. Yeah. So if it were to come to that, Joe Cena thinks there's a strong chance he'd suit up and play. And you know what, Sarah, based on the risk that was involved this time last year on his fifth-year option with no long-term extension in sight? Who's to say Lamar wouldn't be perfectly content to ride it out again this fall, especially given you know the considerable spike in salary on the tag? I was told yes. The CBA has made it harder for players you know, to hold out per kind of just the modifications that they made the last time uh, both sides were at the table in their labor talk, so it is more difficult. Now, it doesn't mean that if you're principled um, about uh, how you feel about something that and if you feel like you got money in the bank that you you know don't may not care about fines and things like that um, you know but I was told at the time that you know he would do what he you know would have to do I think at the end of the day too you know and, and I've been through this with many 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 players I've been covering the I've been covering the NFL since 2002 but when you're going through a situation like this it, it, it it's so emotional especially if there is you know a contract dispute and so but at the end of the day Yes, deadlines do spur action, but also the um, the eminent, um, you know, just kind of uh, the countdown to the season also spurs action. And, and at the end of the day, you know, Lamar wants to be out there. And um, I think he's also very keenly aware of, you know, just, you know, the fan base and all these other things and his own internal love for being out there. So um, I, I don't think think and I of course it could be wrong because it, it's him it's not me I, I do feel like that the desire to be on the field and the desire to and his love still for the game will still supersede a principle that I, I do believe is important and 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 one that he's mindful of but still would not supersede him getting back on the field at some point and 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 if that would be either just returning to the Baltimore Ravens and them agreeing to a deal or on the tag. All right, so those were just a couple of snippets of a more than 40-minute conversation with Joe Cena. So if you haven't already, go out and check out the full interview. It's episode number 208 in the archives. But still to come here on The Vault, I'll make some sense of Baltimore's recent contract restructures. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, partner. Last week, we left off with one of the first moves Baltimore made prior to free agency as a way, of course, of clearing up cap space. And that was trading safety Chuck Clark to the New York Jets for a 2024 seventh rounder. And that cleared up a little just north of $4 million in cap space. So catch us up to speed as to what happened from there. Yeah, sure. So on Friday, it was reported that both defensive tackle Michael Pierce and running back Gus Edwards, they both restructured their deals. Now, Bobby, you and I had mentioned both of these guys a few times on this show, saying there was no way either one would be on the Ravens' roster under the scheduled caps that they had. So they were cap casualty candidates. But now, now that their deals have been modified, we know that both will return in 2023 with an ex- less expensive cap hits. Now, that's great news as far as I'm concerned. I expect Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins to return to form after another year removed from knee surgery. And really, there was no way that Pierce wanted to hit free agency (laughs) since coming off an injury-filled year. He only played in three games. And it's better for the Ravens, too, that Pierce returns at a cheaper price because between the dead money it would have taken to cut him and then having to, to pay more money to replace him, it would have cost the Ravens more to part ways. So let's go right ahead and jump into the details of these restructured deals because one, at the very least, is pretty unique and it might be telling us something, maybe, about Lamar's situation. Yeah, that's right. Uh, First of all, we don't have the info yet on Gus Edwards. If those details come out sometime later today, Monday, we'll for sure have them in the next episode. But with Gus, we do know that he had a scheduled $5.6 million cap hit I imagine the Ravens could get around $2 million or so off of that. Meanwhile, we do have the details of the Michael Pierce restructure. And you're right, Bobby, it is very unique, at least here in Baltimore. Okay, so first off, Pierce did take a straight-up pay cut. Okay, that's much different from most restructures where players still get all of their money, most of it up front, and the team gets to push cap space down the road. But this time... Pierce reportedly took a $2 million pay cut of a total restructure that was $2.7 million overall. So that $2 million is not pushed onto future caps unless he hits an unlikely-to-be-earned incentive. Now, more notably, this is the big part, for the first time ever, Brian McFarlane reported that the Ravens used void years in Pierce's contract and quote, but in a twist, they also removed 2024 from Pierce's deal, close quote. So he will now be an unrestricted free agent after this season. So Sarah, just for those that aren't as on top of contract language and stuff like that, can you explain what a void year is and, and why that's significant here? Okay, so void years are really dummy seasons added to the end of contracts. And that's so teams can spread out signing bonuses throughout all the remaining years of including those voided years. Now, Eric DaCosta never used that before because it's just pushing money down the line. 
And then when a player gets cut, and I'm, I'd put cut in, in quotation marks because really they're just being released because, again, those void years are dummy years. But you have to kind of officially cut them. And when that happens, all the money that was put into those void years, that bill comes due in one single cap hit. Uh, that's not been what Eric likes to use because it, you know, hurts the cap down the road. Now, in this case, it's also important to note that Eric used these void years in a very minor way. It will only add up right now. It will only add up to about 668,000 in dead money when he's quote unquote released. Now that's pennies in cap terms. So just to play devil's advocate, for the purpose of the exercise, why then use it at all? Like, what's the point of breaking precedent if it really doesn't create any room? Yeah, it does. It does create a little room, but the reason why, and I was wondering the same thing at first, you just got to connect the dots. And of course, those dots lead to this unprecedented situation with Lamar Jackson. It is very clear that Eric DaCosta is putting himself in a position to match any offer sheet Lamar could get after the market opens on Wednesday. So if he needs to, he could move more money into those void years. He just hasn't done a a ton of it yet because he doesn't know what's going to come out there. And we're going to find out later, Bobby, but my guess is he may have used void years with Gus Edwards too. Okay, so according to Brian McFarland, the Ravens are, quote, going to structure deals to max out their ability to create cap space this year, close quote. And Bobby, that perfectly leads us into Ian Rappaport explaining to Pat McAfee why teams may not send offer sheets at all. A couple of things that are working against a team signing him into an offer sheet. A lot of people think Baltimore would match. So No matter this, what? I mean, only the Bears. I would have to look at the cap space, but... All right, here, here, we got a graphic. We got a graphic. We got a graphic. Yeah, okay. So... The Bears, the Falcons, and really that's it. Really just those two teams could structure an offer sheet in a way that would make it almost impossible for Baltimore to match. My sense is the Falcons are not doing it. Why? The Bears have... Do we know why? What are we... Is this not Artie Smith's plans? Like, they were just in on Deshaun, right? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. big time. Correct. Is it because of the guaranteed contract situation? And that's why, like, Cleveland got Deshaun and Atlanta didn't. Like, Atlanta proved. I mean, I, I think I think that is some of it, yeah, because it, let's say let's say the Falcons, let's, this is not happening, but I'm just saying, let's say the Falcons say, all right, we're going to give uh, Lamar Jackson a fully guaranteed contract. You have to hand over a check to the league office of $250 million fully guaranteed right away. Like, that is a disincentive for teams to do that. Plus, let's say you're the Falcons still, because you're still the Falcons, and you want to spend in free agency. Well, you're allocating $250 million to Lamar Jackson starting on Wednesday. You can't do anything else for five days until you know whether or not Baltimore is going to match. And let's say Baltimore does match, then you basically missed out on free agency. Bobby, you know we had to finish our conversation going back to Josina just because she had so much good stuff to say. And we did ask her. You brought it up, not me, just for the record. You brought it up, but it is a guy that I may have talked about once or twice on this show. All right, way to hold me accountable there. I tried to get you good in our scripts there behind the scenes, but unfortunately that's not going to make the uh, the cut here for our our actual pod this morning. But look, you aren't getting any pushback from me this time around just because it's it's it's, it's different. 
Free agent wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. He held an open workout in Arizona last week for which 13 NFL teams were present for. And according to Joe Cena, the Ravens were one of those on hand. So I'm, I'm happy to have this conversation now. It's a different time, and, and we'll see where it goes. What's funny is I'm less inclined to have the conversation now. So we've we flipped because of how expensive he's going to be, all right? Because OBJ is now 13-plus months removed from ACL reconstruction, and he's reportedly targeting Bobby $20 million per season. Ravens don't have that. Although Joe Cena hadn't specifically confirmed that is truth, you know, that that's what he's looking for at the time of our Sunday afternoon recording. But what she could confirm, which really doesn't come as a surprise whatsoever, is one major factor being finalized in Baltimore in order for the Ravens to even be remotely considered by OBJ this offseason. Definitely got to get things with resolved with Lamar. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely, you know, a, a big yeah. aspect of it. You know, just kind of a small, you're right, Sarah, there's a, there's a little small detail there. Um, and, you know, clearly I think that uh, OBJ is very anxious to get back into, you know, the team fold. You know, one of the things that people forget when you are rehabbing is that, especially when you are a free agent, is that that's all on your dime. He's been spending yep. his own money, you know, with all he's at IMGs at Exos, you know, he's, you know, doing all this stuff. So it costs money. And that was, of course, it wasn't the only thing, but that was like, you know, one of the considerations for possibly trying to come back last year as, as he was having those talks with the Cowboys and Jerry Jones was trying to talk to him and be like, yo, you know, you could come into our facilities. We got the best, you know, training staff. You, you could, you know, it'll be on our dime. Woo -woo -woo -woo, all this other stuff. To answer your question with the, uh, with the Ravens, definitely have to get the quarterback aspect, you know, resolved. I think that he's going to look at all of the offers that he gets. And he is going to weigh everything out. Um, part of that, yes, is going to be what he is getting offered. So to answer that question, because, you know, someone just texted me and said, so is he really asking for 20 million a year or whatever? I, I haven't specifically asked him if it's if it's 20, but he did text me yesterday and was like, he does what what he's worth. So I'm sure that it's a it's a you know, significant number. Um, and I do think that part of what plays into that for Odell is not just, um, you know, he knows what he can do. All right, Bobby, well, judging by the clips that surfaced from Arizona, he looked like he definitely knew what he was doing. Now, we only did see clips that he wanted us to see, but he did show no signs of slowness post-ACL reconstruction, was flashing his signature, one-handed beautiful catches, his running silky routes, all the good stuff. So let's get back to Josina. What else did she say about OBJ? So first of all, you know, it's been no secret that I've been one of OBJ's critics, Sarah. And I know I said just a minute ago that I was more open to this conversation, but I do still feel this way. I would never question his elite all-time talent at the wide receiver position, but I have had my doubts about his potential fit in Baltimore. I feel like lifestyle is important to him, and for me, OBJ's always been Hollywood. He's had a little bit of diva in him, which I do recognize is sometimes what makes wideouts who they are. It's what makes them special, but still, I just don't see him playing in this market at this point in his career where he'll likely have quite a bit of say and not to mention several options on the table for his next landing spot in free agency. But with all that in mind, I did hear what Josina had to say about his locker room impact from her estimation specifically, and some of it sounded very similar to what new offensive coordinator Todd Munkin shared about his time with OBJ, albeit just a lone season in Cleveland. 
during his introductory press conference last month. You know, listen, I remember going through these talks when he was leaving Cleveland and people were trashing his name at the time. And I've followed and covered Odell since day one when he was with the Giants. And I, I mean, I just see it firsthand, the absolute change that he has on a locker room and the field and the energy that he brings to a team is just, I mean, I, I was just talking to a Browns coach yesterday who was talking how much, how in love he is with um, Odell, because for all of the, you know, news and, and headlines that came out on him when he was in New York, like it is just the complete opposite. Like he really makes his teammates fall in love with him outside of, you know, Apple Baker Mayfield caveat to the side and just his, <laughs> his skill and just this, the skill level when it comes to catching the ball and all these other things. And once Sean McVay really understood what he had, I mean, you saw, I mean, I was there at SoFi. I mean, you saw just in the first half, like, I mean, he was so juiced and ready to go. So, and from a marketing standpoint, I mean, he knows the impact that he has on sales. So, I mean, he's not dumb. He's a businessman. All of that stuff plays into it. So yes, I think it's going to be about what a team is offering, you know, what are their postseason uh, chances? Um, he's very, very, you know, uh, focused on the quarterback situation. So that's why I started that off when I was answering, you know, you about Lamar. And, and so, yes, you know, uh, a team like, you know, the Cowboys, the Chiefs, you know, the Jets, the 49ers, the Ravens, I think, you know, and who else did I not mention are all going to be a part of, you know, that discussion. And before we fly, some other quick news items, beginning with the major draft shakeup that took place over the weekend with the Bears trading the number one overall pick to the Panthers in exchange for the ninth overall pick this year, a second round selection this year, a first round selection next year, and another second rounder in 2025, plus wide receiver DJ Moore. Now, Bobby, it wouldn't be surprising if more moves were to happen and the first four picks of the draft could all be quarterbacks. Elsewhere, the Miami Dolphins also had a huge weekend, picking up quarterback Tua Tonka-Vailoa's fifth-year option on his contract, clearing millions in cap space, and trading for cornerback Jalen Ramsey. After all that in the weekend, RG3 tweeted of the team, quote, the Dolphins now have two number one wide receivers, two number one corners. Your defense has to deal with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, while your offense is trying to throw against Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard. Load have mercy, close quote. Yeah, Bobby, they could be a major problem in the AFC, and now Tua will have zero excuses with that supporting cast. And finally, Lamar Jackson posted in his Instagram stories on the eve of the legal tampering period, a picture of Kevin Hart wearing a giant pair of headphones over his ears, and Lamar captioned it with, quote, me blocking out the noise with a smiling emoji. Thanks for listening to The Morning Vault. We created our show to keep you plugged into all things Ravens. If you've been enjoying our content, please consider joining one of our membership platforms at patreon.com forward slash Ravens Vault Podcast. As you probably know by now, we have been betting on ourselves by creating content independently from any big broadcast station or corporation. And with your membership support, you'll give us a chance to keep churning out daily Ravens content for you for years to come. And a special shout out to our new patron, Alan J. Alan gets a special monthly shout out on the show and a priority for mailbag episodes. 
And we'd love to hear from everyone, whether you're a patron or not, with comments, questions, or if you'd be interested in advertising, you can reach us by email via BaltimoreRavensVault at gmail.com. And that is all the time we've got today. But again, be sure to check out our full conversation with Josina. It's episode number 208 in our archives. <laughs>